Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Pamela Sams, who for 19 years has been helping women improve their personal and financial wealth through solid financial life planning. She focuses on helping her clients meet their financial needs and achieve financial security and greater retirement readiness. Pamela has become a strong voice in the area of personal finance for women. Her knowledge in this area has made her a sought after speaker. Pamela was featured in the Women in Wealth section of Fortune Magazine, November 2020 issue as a top wealth manager in the Washington DC metro area. We have so much to talk about. So let's dive right into this Pamela and welcome. Thank you very much for having me Summer, it's a pleasure. Absolutely. So Pamela, before we jump into your professional journey, can you share with the listeners a bit about your personal journey, where you grew up, your personal interests, and how some of these interests might have contributed to your professional journey today? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I am from originally from St. Louis, Missouri, so the Midwest, and tracked out here in 1992, actually with my husband, who works for the Defense Department. So, you know, in this area, Everybody is a transplant in some form or fashion, yes. uh, either related to the federal government. So that's how I ended up with here. I actually had a pit stop in Pennsylvania for a little bit. That's where I had my first child, uh, Nicole, in 1991. So she just <laughs> turned 30 uh, this year. Um, but, you know, the goal was always to be out in the D.C. area. You know, I met my husband in college and uh, that was the goal. And uh, we figured Pennsylvania was a little bit closer <laughs> to DC than uh, Missouri. And so I got a job in a previous life. I used to do marketing and advertising. So I got a, a job at a small book company in um, Blue Ridge Summit, Pennsylvania of all places. It's right on the border of uh, Pennsylvania and Maryland. And so from there and then down to DC after my husband got a job at the Library of Congress initially, and then eventually to the Defense Department. I'm from a family of eight, so I'm number seven of eight, uh, you know, five girls and three boys. You know, my um, oldest brother is no longer with us, but it's still seven of us. And that's kind of how I uh, got out in this area and got into what I'm currently doing. Awesome. So what would you say along your journey contributed to your, your interest in finance? Yeah, um, that's a that's an excellent question, and you know I think I've shared it with you before, and I've probably shared with a lot of people. My journey to financial services actually starts out of when my my father had passed away, September 16, two thousand one. Uh, the world changed uh, in September 11, 20, uh, 2001, but actually my world changed on September sixteenth when my father or I get a frantic phone call from my mom that. My dad wasn't going to make it. He had had a series of different strokes and, um, you know, wasn't going to make it throughout the night. So frantically, I get on an airplane right after the planes had started flying once again after 9-11 to really make it home to be with him the last hours that I thought. But actually, he lasted for about another two weeks. 
And then uh, I got a chance to spend some really good time with him. But during that transition, you know, when my father passed away, I saw that my mother probably would have been struggling financially. Um, not because my father didn't leave her the assets. It's really, you know, coming from an older generation where women didn't really handle the household finances. My mother was uh, what I call the back of the envelope person. So she knew kind of what was going on in the daily finances, what bills needed to be paid. Uh, and then, you know, I remember my dad um, and my mom getting together at the kitchen table and then really writing out the, the checks. My dad, my mom would say, you know, this is what to do. My dad would write out the checks. So in the absence of having my father there, I knew she would be struggling financially to try to figure it all out. Previously, the year before, I had, um, you know, had a kind of a second act on my own and went back to school to get an MBA, um, thinking it was going to be in marketing, but got uh, used to some of the finance classes and decided to get an MBA in financial management. Um, at the time, I also had two kids back to back thinking I was going to go into investment banking. Um, <laughs> that probably wasn't going to happen because 80 hours a week and two newborns uh, just wasn't going to cut it. Um, so just really just trying to figure out what my next best step would be in the financial world. And then, you know, like I said, my father had passed away and this was the, my time to really step up and be there for my mom. And at that time, I figured, you know, there were other women out there similar to my mom's story that may not have had a large support system like a family to help her to figure out her finances. So in 2002, I hung out my shingle to open up Jackson Sam's Wealth Strategies to really help women in transition. Most of my clients are women, um, single by choice, divorced and widowed, really to understand their finances and have a strong support system and a trusted advisor to do so. Wow. Thank you for sharing that journey with me and our listeners today. So you have multiple years of experience, have worked with women from all different backgrounds and financial profiles. What would you say is the predominant factor that frequently comes up for women in relation to their financial history and issues that they want to address? Yeah, most of it is really probably heard summer of the uh, imposter syndrome. So a lot yeah. of uh, my clients are really uh, professional women, um, also business owners, and, you know, really afraid, but most of them are afraid uh, of their finances in terms of, am I doing the best that I can? Um, you know, the, the, the narrative goes way back in our lives on where, you know, women aren't taught that we're not good at math and we're not good at numbers. Why worry your pretty head about that? And so we play into that narrative sometimes. And, you know, we make a good living and we start businesses, but it's that finance piece that holds us back sometimes to make sure we are doing what we can financially. So that's what I see a lot of times is, you know, very smart women that can do, you know, rocket science and attorneys and all of these, but it's that financial piece that sometimes um, either holds them back or scares them and they don't want to address it. So really partnering with a trusted advisor uh, to kind of do some hand-holding during that time period to say, hey, you can do it. And then really looking at how they can do better if they need to, and really understand and peel apart the, the finances. I do a lot of education around this subject. And so all of my clients, it's an education piece as well, not just handling the money, but understanding why certain things are in place and then what do you need to put in place to move yourself forward as well. I go through money stories which is um, what, what are those, what's that narrative? What's that track playing in the background that may be holding us back? We learn most of our money behavior and our habits at, by the age of six. 
So imagine your six-year-old self running your finances today, peeling out of that and understanding people's money stories to move them forward. That's where I see a lot of challenges with women. A lot of times when they come to me is understanding what may be holding them back, what may be keeping them financially stuck, and then how do we clear that in, in order to move forward? No, I absolutely love what you touched on. You touched on so many things there. So you touched on really your financial DNA, generational ideas and conditioning regarding finances and money. You touched on you know, the whole idea of learning your patterns and your behavior from zero to five, and that's kind of set, right? So there's so much involved in relation to finances, money, so much emotion attached to it, mm-hmm. just because what we have learned or what we haven't learned or what we've picked up from those around us, let's say magazines, just impulse, shopping, savings, checking. A lot of times we don't learn that. So let me ask you a question and I'm kind of going off my own script, Pamela, but have you seen a transition with some younger folks today having a change of mindset regarding money because of the different type of conditioning, or do you still see that? And we still need to do a better job of educating our young folks in relation to money and finance. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's always an ongoing process, but what I do see a summer is a lot of what I call Gen Z's or, you know, later Gen Y's mm-hmm. wanting to do things differently with their money. Uh, you know, they've seen the challenges that their parents have went through or with society uh, has uh, put up to them, especially since the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of challenges. A lot of people were like, hey, we had some, uh, a chance to really reinvent ourselves a little bit last year in 2020. And money is a big factor when it comes to, of course, reinventing yourself and what you want to do. So I see a lot of the younger women uh, really taking charge of their finances a little bit more than let's say, you know, older generation boomer women it's still an ongoing process on education, but I do see um, a different viewpoint when it comes to younger women with their finances. Probably actually the, the youngest client that I just brought in probably a couple of weeks ago is 27. Mm-hmm. And so she came to me where, you know, I, I've seen what my, my mother has done. She's done a wonderful job, but I want to do a little bit better um, than that. And mm-hmm. so got out of college, had a really, has a really nice job, but also want to make sure she's doing the correct things and the right things to start off with that. So that's what I'm seeing with younger people is really trying to change that narrative. Um, but like I said, it's definitely an ongoing process uh, with financial ed- education as, as a whole, but especially for, for women. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Because I really see it as learned behavior, unlearning behavior, really understanding that conditioning. We talked in the past and you touched on something or a theory idea, something called, was it fire? Mm -hmm. Yes, fire. (laughs) Explain to the listeners what that is and really give your take on that. Yeah. What's your feeling about that? Yeah. Exactly. So FIRE, uh, for listeners who may not know, is uh, it's an acronym. So it's uh, Financial Independence Retire Early. Uh, so a lot of uh, young people have bought into the, the system where if I could uh, m- be minimalist 
or minimize what I'm doing currently, I can sock away as much money as possible to retire early. You know, a lot of the, the younger people that I speak with, 50s, I mean, I'm sorry, 60, 65, it's just not going to cut it. They want to be retired way before that in order to live the lifestyle that they want. So they're willing to do a little bit of sacrificing right now um, with, you know, the niceties. Of course, you know, in, in society, we do have, uh, especially in this country, excess. And yes. so there may be some things that we can reduce or eliminate out of our budget that we may not need. So that's what FIRE is really emphasizing is how do I get retired early in order to, you know, sacrifice some things now to, um, to do so. Um, my take on it, um, it really, you know, I have some, some clients that I am helping work through uh, the FIRE uh, system right now. I think it's a personal choice for, for everyone. I wouldn't suggest it to everyone, but it's, it's out there. And I know a lot of people, especially a lot of younger people have bought into, hey, I really want to live a, a lifestyle where I'm what I call kind of live retirement um, a little bit earlier, but also live retirement now. Are there things that I can be doing, you know, maybe take extended vacations or, you know, take some time off to, you know, do a retreat or what I call these mini retirements throughout the year. Mm -hmm. So a lot of um, younger people are looking at doing that if they don't do fire. So it's a way to incorporate it into your lifestyle. But I think the main thing is how do I retire early? I don't want to be, you know, my parents' generation where they're retiring at 65 and 70, and then I don't have the freedom to do traveling or do all of these things that they want to do. So it's just a, a mindset shift on I'm going to be a minimalist now in order to get the resources I need for the future. Well, very interesting. As I see it, it would be hard or difficult sometimes to do that. I lived in Japan and I found Okinawa in Japan. So it was a small island. I found that a lot of the islanders live like this, a very minimalistic lifestyle so they could retire early or, as you said, incorporate ideas or theories of retirement into their, their daily lives, right? Because a lot of times I think if we wait and put everything away, put everything away, what if we don't get to that end, you know? So how do you live like, like somebody who wants to retire now, but also as a minimalist? So yeah, exactly. And that's, like I said, that's going to be the mindset shift. I mean, I'm, yeah. I, as I mentioned before, or I didn't mention in this call, but our, our conversations is that I'm a behavioral financial advisor. So what that really means is if you want to do FIRE or if you want to, you know, what I call live retirement now and have these mini retirements, it's a lifestyle choice, but it's also you have to adjust your behavior. So you can't have it both ways. <laughs> so you can't live extravagant now and then, you know, want to sock away as much money and, and do all of these things. So you have to kind of balance it and see where, where the adjustments and changes need to be made. But if you do make that commitment, you know, as a behavioral financial advisor, I have to go through, you know, number one, why do you want it? So I go through a lot of uh, values exercises on what they value, um, but then hold them accountable on these are the behaviors that need to be made in order to get you to that ultimate goal and then really call them out if they're not doing so. <laughs> well, great segue into my next question. And I see that you're doing a lot of the psychology and finance and bringing that together. And I think that is really needed to make a change. 
Correct. If you really want to make a change, these are factors that really need to play a part in that change making process. So when most people come seeking your services, is it that they are in good financial standing and want to improve their situation or are the majority of clients confronting a financial crisis that they need to work through? Mm -hmm. I get a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think a lot of times, you know, I always describe coming to a financial advisor similar to either number one, going to the dentist or number two, going to the principal's office. Number one, we don't (laughs) want to be judged, uh, with that, but then also we know we need it, but you know, it's going to, it's going to be a little painful. Uh, that's the dentist part uh, of it. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I see people wait till that pain is so bad that, Hey, I need to seek help. Um, you know, it's like that, that, that proverbial, uh, root canal that, you know, you need, but eventually it's going to keep you up at night. Mm. You're going to have to go to the dentist. Same thing with your finances (laughs) and my, and my acronym for, um, for my practice is, um, the SWAN. So, um, sleep well at night is an acronym, but also a metaphor for transformation from being that ugly duckling, um, Mm. part of your finances to being a beautiful financial SWAN. So I see where that pain sometimes may keep people up at night, like that now, and eventually they will come see a financial advisor to fix it. And then I have some people who are proactive. Like I said, my my young lady who came to to see me at age 27, who knows, hey, I'm making some really good money. I want to capture as much as I can, want to make sure I'm making the smart choices with my money. So I get a combination as well. But I would probably, you know, say the bulk or the majority, especially with, with boomers, uh, tend to be, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I need to do something different, but may have avoided coming to see a professional because, you know, of that fear factor on, I don't know, you know, if they're going to judge me or it's too late that I don't know what can be done. And then to that pain is so painful that they really need to take action. Yeah. Thank you for that. What you're saying really reinforces the need for education around money and finance. It really does for all generations because Mm -hmm. we weren't taught the options that might be best for us, the the routes that we could go that might support our financial wellness, so to speak. So, so important. Now, what would be three financial tips that you would give women to help them support their financial future? Yeah. Um, the tip that I always give is really making sure you kn- you know where you stand, because a lot of times we tend to be ostrich and we kind <laughs> of stick our head in the sand and just go, you know, glaze over it. So really, you know, you got to get in there. You have to start, you know, picking it apart, understanding where you are. So really, the first part is really building a solid financial foundation starts with getting organized. So you have to understand where where things are. Um, you know, all of the statements, all of the 401k statements. I know, especially the last year when things were so um, volatile, mm-hmm. a lot of people just didn't open up their investment statements because they were just too scared to do so. <laughs> but we do have to acknowledge that it's there and it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, really getting organized. Um, the second part is really understanding and defining what your goals are. That's how you make a solid financial plan is based on what your goals, you know, so if I want to retire at 25 years from now, you have to kind of reverse engineer it, figuring out what do I need to do today in order to get to my retirement goal. And then the third one is really understanding and knowing all of those numbers. 
once you get organized and then understanding your goals, what is that number? What does it take for you to retire at 25? Is it going to be X amount of dollars? What is your lifestyle going to look like? It's really putting together that vision for your future to, in order to build your, your financial foundation. So those are, you know, really the, the building it is understanding, getting organized, defining your goals, and then really knowing your numbers. And then, of course, the, the, the subsequent, the other two or get invested and then really defining what your unique life path is. Because everybody's life path is quite different. Mm. What do you want to do? You want to stay in this area? You want to relocate? You want to be close to kids? You want to be close to water? Whatever the case may be. What is that unique path for yourself? Mm, Such good tips. Love them all. Thank you for that. Now, as we come to the close of the interview, my last question always is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? Yeah, words of wisdom. You know, we <laughs> always have a, a few things that, that we want to acknowledge. But really in, the, in this space, I would probably say words of wisdom is own what you have. You know, you have to own it. Uh, it may not look pretty right now, yeah. <laughs> but knowing where you stand and how to fix it. That's where I really focus in. Really know where you are own it, acknowledge it. And then how do I move forward? Because it's all about, you can achieve it, believe it, you can achieve it. So that's where I say, you have to own it first, believe you can do better, and then also achieve it. Thank you so much for those words of wisdom. And thank you, Pamela, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. If you would like to connect with Pamela Sams, you can find her on LinkedIn at Pamela Sams on Facebook and Instagram at Jackson Sam's Wealth and Twitter at Jackson Sam's WS. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.